Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah. High arcing kick is going to be fielded by Rashid at the 1, up the right side of the 10, angles to the middle 15, gets a block at the 25, breaks free, he's got one man to beat, Shahid down the far side to the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, no penalty markers, 99-yard return for a touchdown, Rashid Shahid, the 6th of his career. Pressure again, flushed out by Tafua, toward the sideline, throws it back, and it's juggled and tipped and intercepted, Two after an eight-yard pickup. Another carry for Tavion Thomas inside the 10. Tripped up, keeps going, touchdown! Second score for Thomas, a 14-yarder. There are the highlights as the Utes beat Weber State 40-17 over Weber State. Charlie Brewer, 19 of 27, 233 yards, a couple scores. The only interception was on a Hail Mary. And Tavion Thomas... Man, 100-yard back on just 12 carries, PK. That was impressive. And Micah Bernard was good. But Tavian Thomas really stood out. Makai Bernard, I said Micah. Makai Bernard was good, but Tavian Thomas really stood out. Oh, there's no question he stood out. He's your number one back. Bernard's two, Pleasure's three, and Curry's four. That's your lineup right there. Don't at me because I don't want to hear it this morning. Absolutely not. No, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Utah passing because Cameron Risen came in and threw a couple of uh, passes as well. 21 of 29 for 262 yards and three scores. Can they keep that up? That's over 70% completion rate. Anything over 250 yards, I think you got to take if you're a Ute fan. Question is, will they sustain it? You got a gut feeling? It looked like typical Utah offense, man. Run the ball very well. They threw the ball effectively. And you had receiver drops. I mean, we've been having that for years. <laughs> hey, just two touchdown passes. Yeah. Takes no imagination to turn that 40 into 49. Catch the touchdown passes and make the extra point. You want to dream beyond that, go ahead. But nine points left out there for sure. All right, your reaction to the Utes coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, the Utes are getting ready for the Cougars. The Cougars still have a game to play. Hashtag BYU. You have to just go back and look at all the different places that they've been. Watch a lot of NFL film and watch a lot of different programs. So I think there's some similarities, but there's definitely some things that are, that are different. And then you look at the personnel that they have. They're, they have a good number of uh, new players coming in to complement the talent they have already on the team. So a lot of different things. And then COVID year, you never know how well a team was prepared because of the depth was always something with testing and all that. You just never knew if they're ever, no one was at full strength, but you, you know that teams are going to be a lot better than what we saw on film last year. That's Kalani Sataki talking about how BYU is preparing for the new coaches and the new players. Whatever Arizona is, it's got to be better than last year just because, well, the hell of a pulse. Why has it got to be better? Because they will have a pulse 
last year's oh, team was just dragging to the finish line. Lifeless. Getting pounded by your devil, 70-7. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, I don't think they thanked him. I think they, uh, <laughs> they we didn't, there was none of we appreciate the efforts of Coach Kevin Sumlin, wish him well in future endeavors. Uh, I don't know if they say that. There were no efforts. Yeah, they're not going to be worse than they were last year. I think that's something. But that BYU is still expected to win. To me, it's not about Arizona. I couldn't care less about Arizona. It is about uh, BYU seeing what they can do. Uh, and the fact that they're playing a lousy team is the reason why. I mean, if they were playing like next week here in eight days, the Utes, it would be about the Utes and how good can they be against this team. But against Arizona, I don't want to hear, well, they, they have a pulse, they're better, they're this or that. I think that all that stuff is it's all about the uh the cougars man they've got to come out and be crisp and be effective and be ready to go 8 30 on espn the cougar pregame show starts at seven o'clock tomorrow at jcw's in provo byu along with ucf cincinnati and houston are the top four candidates for big 12 expansion multiple reports the athletic espn on down the line emerging over the last 24 hours yeah those out of the top four, what? are you surprised even a little bit? I mean, those are the obvious four, aren't they? Uh, BYU's number one. You got that? BYU's number one. Yeah, I mean, we can keep the athletic, and these people can keep reporting, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's great. It kind of reminds me of Charlie Brewer. Whoever has the latest is viewed as the most breaking, and that's great, too. But BYU, they, they can be in there as soon as next season if they want. I, I firmly believe that. It's, it's up to them to decide what they want to do. And they can even be uh, football only until uh, Oklahoma and Texas leave, uh, if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, and I think that uh, the Big 12, is, I don't know that it's been reported, but I think the Big 12 is making a strong push to see if the Arizona schools are interested. So, yeah, things are happening for sure. Do you think the Arizona schools are going to be interested? I would think not, but maybe they'll surprise me. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Well, I'm, I'm not willing to tell you who's going to be the starter. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let everybody figure that out at the same time. It's one of the good things about college ball. I really don't have to tell anybody, and I'm going to I'm going to keep that process going. It is still an ongoing competition. There's Blake Anderson on his quarterback decision. He joins us every Monday here on the Zone Sports Network, usually about uh, 9.30. Utah State starts their season in Pullman, Washington tomorrow night. Showdown with Washington State. Kickoff set. For 9 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network, our play-by-play coverage here on The Zone will begin at 8 with Scott Gerrard on the call from the Palouse. And I think the thing with the Aggies here is there are just so many questions. New coaching staff, ton of transfers, got to settle on a quarterback. So a lot of questions to be answered on the fly. And it all starts tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Daniels under center, fourth and one. He'll hand the ball to Rashad White. Rashad has a first down. He's got a touchdown to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Devils. Oh, baby, Rashad White busts it up the middle for a 26-yard TD.
It's from Arizona State's win over Southern Utah, 41-14, the final score. Your Devils getting it done, PK. Encouraged or just ho-hum? They got through it. Jaden Daniels was 10-12 for 132 yards. What do you expect on to the next one? What do you think? Oh, that was a miserable performance. They had 11 penalties in the first half. That's completely and totally unacceptable. I mean, it reminded me of the Dennis Erickson era in which a team led by Vontez Perfect was completely and totally undisciplined and there was no accountability. And what do they say? Inmates running the asylum, whatever that expression is. That's exactly what it was. It was a throwback. It couldn't have been more disappointing from that perspective. UCF beats Boise State 36-31. The Broncos were up 21-0. They had a big 100-yard pick six that got them off on the right foot. But UCF got back in the game by halftime. They end up winning it. Hank Bachmeyer, Boise State driving for the potential go-ahead score late in the fourth quarter, and he throws a pick. They were across midfield down around the 35, and he got picked off down at the seven-yard line, and that was the end of that game. Broncos yeah. had him, PK. They had a great start, but, man, UCF got back in that game pretty quickly. Yeah, that was an exciting game, and uh, for sure, yeah, that Bachmeyer throw, I mean, you're, you're too far along in your college football career to be making, making that throw. throw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just awful. There's no excuse for it. Uh, throw it out of bounds, go down, do something, but don't don't, don't chuck, a, chuck it around like that. And Ohio State beats Minnesota 45-31. Minnesota was there. Uh, had the lead midway through the game, but third quarter, Ohio State gets a go-ahead score, and then they pull away and win 45-31. The thing for Ohio State, my gosh, the explosive plays, big plays. They scored three touchdowns on like six plays in two minutes, and Minnesota's going on these long drives. The time of possession couldn't be couldn't be more lopsided. Ohio State's touchdowns, a 71-yard run, a 38-yard pass, a 56 yard pass uh, then they had a defensive score and then the offense in the fourth quarter 70 and 61 yard touchdown passes so you got Ohio State bottled up until they make a massive play and blow you off the field and get the touchdown so yeah I think the the change of the game was when they scored and then they got the defensive score, score. that was cares about time of possession that's a, yeah, that's right. a relevant stat that didn't mean anything Minnesota kept grinding and then Ohio State bam touchdown that scoop and score put them up by 10, and then uh, Minnesota never never really could get it back after that. That was pretty much it. Uh, the upsets for the Big Sky. UC Davis, 1917 at Tulsa. And Eastern Washington beats UNLV in double overtime. Well, the Rebels are going to be playing in a nicer stadium, PK, but, man, that's not going to help them grow a program. Right out of the gate. Splat. You got to feel better. We were talking about your Utah State predictions yesterday. Utah State, UNLV. <laughs> All right. You're going to get that one right. Well, it's one game. Washington State under Leach had a habit of doing this, but obviously UNLV hasn't been good for a number of years. Right. So there's the two uh, the two money games that uh, that went awry. And, and for Weber State fans, well, UC Davis has been good for a while, so this kind of announces that. And Eastern Washington has had really good teams, too. So yeah, th- those are two of the better teams. It's certainly top third of the big sky right there, and those two teams get I it feel done. bad for UNLV because they barely drew a Pulse without the Raiders. And now with the Raiders, <laughs> and wow, man. Yeah, they, it's, gonna be... it's actually going to reduce mm-hmm. the care factor, and the care factor was so small as it was. Yeah. 
They needed uh, two fourth-quarter touchdowns to tie that game up and get it to OT. And you're right, it's going to be friends and family in a 60,000-seat stadium, so there you go. All right, big games tomorrow. Uh, obviously, we've got BYU and Utah State games to watch at 8.30 and 9, but there's, there's football all day long, Alabama and Miami. That's number one versus number 14 at uh, 1.30. And that is on ABC. And then you've also got LSU and Georgia in primetime. Excuse me, LSU and UCLA in primetime on Fox. Georgia and Clemson in primetime on ABC. And there's more games beyond that. Penn State and Wisconsin. That's a big conference game at 10 a.m. on Fox. For sure, yeah. So, plenty of showdowns. First peak at Oregon. The 11th-ranked Ducks are playing Fresno State at noon on the Pac-12 network. So, you can check all of those out. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think Zach Wilson is going to be in discussion as one of the top three to five quarterbacks very quickly. You know, within the next couple of years, I think you're going to see him rise. I think he's unbelievable. His ceiling is so high. It's rare for me to say someone has the ability to get in the stratosphere of a Mahomes, but I think this kid actually has that ability. Tony Romo praising Zach Wilson. That is a take yeah. we have heard before and a take we are going to hear again from Tony, Tony Romo. He may be right and he may be wrong, but you know he's serious about it because he's repeating it. Well, I think that it's come to the conclusion that Tony, when he was in town for the Utah Open, clearly was listening to me on the Zone Sports Network. <laughs> Stealing your hot takes. <laughs> and so it's obvious he's going to jump on the bandwagon, which I've been driving. I mean, I didn't jump on it. I'm actually driving this thing i've been driving it the first media member to recognize his talent and it's not like i'm bragging or anything that i saw something special that other guys didn't see and i saw it first and nobody wanted to back me up i'm not bragging about that at all you aren't cool (laughs) that's great (laughs) could you imagine now if somebody just took me seriously yeah that'd be awesome and people do (laughs) i mean right now you've really given it away you pulled the curtain all the way back but usually you only pull the curtain back 20% of the way and people are already mad and they don't hear you. And, and yeah. I do think he's going to be really good, though, and it's a great Tony Romo. Wow, I mean, he's just throwing all sorts of plaudits at the kid before he's even taking a snap. And Tony, you know, that he's made his mark in broadcasting of telling you what the play's going to be as they're breaking the huddle, he right? Has. That was his big thing. Yep. So he's doing it now in a different way rather than telling you. Anybody could tell you what you just saw. But he's trying to add a little bit more. And to have Tony Romo say this and say this, you know, when he, when he said it locally, oh, okay, he knew his audience a little bit. I don't know what the audience was here this time around in this soundbite we just played, but that wasn't local. Right. And it was virtually, I mean, it wasn't word for word, but it was really close. Yeah. But the thing is, when he said it here, yes, he knew his audience here, but he, and he was never going to rip him in his own backyard, but... He could have soft-pedaled it a little bit, and he didn't bother. You know, he could have no. said, I really like him. He's talented. Quarterback's a tricky position, so we got to give him a little time. But uh, I see why the Jets drafted, and I, I think he could really be something. That would have been like three notches below where he went. Agreed. He really dialed it up. All right, uh, Keith McCants, former NFL player, former University of Alabama, All-American, 53 years old. He was... Found dead, a suspected drug overdose, 53, awfully young. Fourth overall pick in the 1990 NFL Draft. Oh, yeah, I remember him. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA.
Brooklyn Nets add Paul Millsap, the former jazz man. A little depth. He's got a little something in the tank. And LaMarcus Aldridge, who uh, had health issues and was going to retire, has decided to resume his career. He's expected to go back to Brooklyn as well. So veterans on the bench, PK. They're going to have vets. Brooklyn and L.A., the Lakers and Nets are both going to be old teams, but plenty of veterans, plenty of playoff experience. Yeah, I think that's uh, those are good moves. They're worth it. If, even if they don't amount to anything, they're worth a shot for the Nets. Uh, I, it's going to be tough, but I still think the Jazz will beat them. Can you imagine if people took you serious? Or are you serious? You don't think the Jazz can beat the Nets? Well, you've been saying when you're serious, the Jazz are in the mix. So this is like Tony Romo. This is two different gears. I don't even know that the Jazz are going to play the Nets. So it doesn't I haven't really matter. It doesn't matter whether oh, none of us. Y- who knows that they're going to actually play? Who knows that? You would be along the lines with every other sim- single human being on the planet. The point I'm making is if it should come to that, I think the Jazz can beat them. Can beat them, I would go with you. I think the Nets would be favored. But it's not a lock. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 2-2 pitch to Keanu. And Morick hits a high fly. Right field. Reyes back. He's to the track. He'll watch it fly. And for the A's, it's back-to-back in a 4-0 lead in the first. The pitch. Change up. There's a high drive into deep left field. This one has a chance. Adios! And that's the backbreaker. It's a big inning. Five to one, Giants. That's a three-run homer right there that does it. A four-run eighth inning. It was 1-1, Giants and Brewers in the eighth. But the Giants break it open and get the win. And now head into their series with the Dodgers. Three games this weekend. The last time they will meet this year. Yeah, you know, since the divisional era, which I think started in, what, 69? This is only the second time that two teams with a winning percentage of 630 or better at least 130 games in the season have played each other. The last time was a couple years ago. Yankees and Dodgers did it. But, of course, they're not even in the same league, let alone the same division. And the Dodgers and Giants here with the identical record, 630 or better. Wow, these are two powerhouse teams. The the Giants began the season with a 5.7 chance to make the postseason. And now they're in a tie. 85 wins. 100%. Yeah. 85 wins, 49 losses, 36 games over 500. they They're going to be in the playoffs. These two have just blown the Padres away. They're only eight games over 500. they They're 14 back. So it's these ancient rivals squaring off for the last time this season. Yeah. You know what they should have done if baseball was smart? What's they would that? have recreated, like, Ebbets Field and moved one of the games back to Brooklyn. Oh, that would be awesome. Freakishly <laughs> expensive. I mean, it's one thing to plow under a cornfield. It's another thing to clear out a few acres in Brooklyn. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, if they build a replica of Ebbets Field in a cornfield, would you do it? Would you go for it then? Uh, you just can't do the stands, the 30, 35,000 or whatever it's either. It wouldn't have the same allure as no. if they did it in New York somewhere. I mean, come on, come on. They, they put it in Central Park, right? I mean, they got acres over there. <laughs> All right, you heard the home run there. Oakland was up 4 nothing. They went on to beat the Tigers 8-6. to So Oakland picking up the win there, four and a half games behind the Astros. 
in the American League West, and they're also scrambling after the Yankees and the Red Sox in the wild card race. They are two back of the Red Sox right now. So Oakland with Moneyball trying to get it done against the big boys with the big payrolls. Your Philadelphia Phillies, only two games out of the wild card race. They beat the Nationals 7-6 and sweep the series. So they're a game and a half behind the Padres, two games behind the Reds, and the Reds have the second and final wild card. Obviously, the Giants and Dodgers will get the first one. I'm pulling hard for them. That game was on MLB Network yesterday afternoon, so I was watching it, and they obviously they got down 6-zip. Nola, their, one of their better pitchers, was giving up home runs left and right. But they came back, man. Maybe there's a little magic there. Joe Girardi, maybe he could produce a little magic with that ball club. The I mean, they took a blow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They took a big blow. Hoskins is gone for the season. He was their big power hitter. So I don't think they can, they can do it. Bees lose to the Rivercats 8-3. Teams play again tonight at 8 o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.50. Hashtag RSL. I think it, it got us all by surprise. We were kind of shocked uh, with the news. I think everyone was and. You know, at the same time, um, you know, you preach a lot of stuff all year, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can say you bounce. For us, it's like, okay, maybe, you know, he didn't believe in us. Maybe he didn't believe in himself, whatever it was. But the most important thing now is we have Pablo now, and he has the keys to to the job, and, um, you know, we have to uh, find ways to get a result. That's Rubio Rubin right there. You preach a lot of things all year long, and then you bounce. Stick together. We're all in this. We got to fight for each other. I'm leaving this head coaching job for an assistant coaching job. Rubio Rabin, dialing it down a little bit for public consumption. I imagine there's a little more frustration than he let on there a week later. But well, that's the first I mean, time he's is, been available to the media. This is an incredible move. I mean, I can't compare it to literally anything that's done. And I don't have the deep soccer background as you guys do, and all that stuff. So I don't know if it's somewhat common in soccer, or it's been done Mm-mm. in Europe, or whatever. No, this nope. does not happen. Nope, this doesn't yeah. happen. This is unusual. This is uh, this is this is a unicorn of a coaching move right here. But I don't know that uh, on the surface it's a lack of faith in the in the players. Is it a situation with the management? Where's my contract going? And who knows what the future's holding? Uh, and I've got a relationship with the people in Seattle, so I can get something stable. I mean, you can't uh, criticize a man for wanting employment. It's unusual the way it played out, but I don't know that it's a reflection on lack of faith on the team, but if they want to use that as a rallying point, obviously they did not the other night, but they still have time. They do have time. They've got uh, six home games left, and one of them is against Dallas, Rio Tinto Stadium, 6 o'clock. Saturday night, RSL with that loss in Vancouver, and it was 4-1. to It was an ugly loss. They have dropped under 500 now. Seven wins, eight losses, and they've tied six as well. So they're sitting in the last playoff spot right now, and it's six teams for two spots. Six teams separated by three points. So literally, one win, you can jump from 11th place to 6th place, depending on the results. So... It's a big game, and uh, RSL will have Demir Krylock back. Their all-star did not play in Vancouver. He had been suspended for a yellow card accumulation, so he'll be back. But Putnam has been struggling in goal. Ochoa has been training, but Pablo Mastroni, the interim coach, uh, really hedged when he was asked if, he, if Ochoa was going to be healthy enough to go. So they may have to go with their third-string guy. We'll have to see how Ochoa feels, I guess, 
it, when he warms up, if he warms up, if they even let him get to that point, depending on how training goes today. So he's had a quad injury and he's been out. All right, that's what's trending. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, more football, a lot more football. Josh Newman, youth writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. 8 o'clock, Alex Brink, Washington State football analyst. 9 o'clock, more football on the way. Your reaction to the Utes opener coming up. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Joining us now, former Coug, our good friend Jordan Pendleton. BYU turning over the roster a little bit. Lay out some realistic expectations for this year's squad. I think as far as athleticism goes and potential, I think the athletes are there, but it's kind of unknown right now. Do I think BYU is going to only lose one game this year? Probably not. I think their schedule is going to be pretty tough, but I am excited to see how they respond off of last year with a better schedule ahead and see what they can do this year. So it's going to be fun to see, but it's definitely a toss-up right now. I think every Everybody's just excited to see them go get this first game under their belt and see what type of team that they're going to be. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. TJ and PK in the morning. Proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, question of the morning. Impressions. Of the youth season opening win over Weber State. And Chappie says, Weber State looked good. <laughs> Deplorable youth says, they played pretty penalty free for the most part. Brewer should have had four touchdown passes, but two were dropped. The defense was pretty solid, and special teams pretty much hated the rain delay more than the fans. Give up a touchdown on a kickoff return and go straight into a rain delay. Get to hear yeah. about it the whole time. That kickoff return was one of the more exciting kickoff returns I've ever seen because it was right up the gut, you know? And just, wow, man, he just blazing speed. It was fun to watch. I'm sure you fans weren't appreciative of that, but uh, they were always going to win the game, obviously. So I enjoyed it very much. I mean, it was about as exciting a kickoff play as you're going to see. Just to see, and then you have you know the little guy versus the big guy, and they score and take the lead. Uh, they did that. They were up ten the last time they played them, if I remember correctly. I saw Jerry Bovey in the men's room, and he just looked at me at the time, like, "Wow, can you believe this?" <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, I couldn't, but uh, it was it was a great play. And I think that the the good thing about the Utes, they were always going to win the game. There was never any doubt about that that it gave Kyle enough ammunition to sharpen focus uh, in practice when they resume, get back out of the field, uh, because they made enough mistakes. The drop passes, it, it just continues to be, it plagues Utah. I don't know what it is. It's probably, you know, every program obviously has drop passes, but it seems like off the top of my head, just looking at it, that Utah has more than than most teams. They've got to correct that uh, and what a delay on a PAT, not enough guys out on the field. So they made enough mistakes where the coaches can easily get their attention. Uh, but you got to like what you see. You got to like the basic package of the team. Looks pretty good to me. And they've got a shot, you know. It's a long way to go, obviously. But at this point, 
you, sh- you could be optimistic about their chances. Whether they get it done or not, I can't say. But it looks like they've got the talent to get it done, and there's going to be some huge games down the line, and it should be a fun season for you fans and their football program. Dalton Kincaid, we've heard a lot about him from Kyle, and, Stood uh, out. and he delivered in game one. Absolutely no question about it. And Frothingham dropped the pass, uh, so and that's going to stick in Kyle's craw, as they say. But uh, Kincaid bet on himself coming up from uh, whatever level they play, division, what is it, San Diego? It's the same level as Weber State, but it's a okay. non-scholarship league, the Pioneer yeah. Football League. Yeah, yeah. So. and uh, so he bet on himself. It's a good story. You like to see guys like that. He didn't, I don't think he played football until late in his high school career, if, uh, if I remember the story. I'm pretty sure I do. And so, yeah, they've got a lot of talent right there, those two guys, and obviously Keithy. Keithy had uh, sort of a drop. It was a little behind him, but uh, knowing what we know of him, he's a great interview. We've interviewed him several times over the years. Uh, he absolutely believe he should have caught that. There's no question about that. And most of the time he will catch that. It wasn't right on the numbers. He's going to his uh, across the field, and it was back behind uh, his right shoulder instead of ahead to his left shoulder area. Uh, but he's a really good player. Andy Ludwig is an excellent play caller. So things are in place. And the first game, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings about these opponents that they play. And they're, they're not, it's not exclusive to Utah by any stretch. When I say they, I mean in general rather than you're talking. You're talking about the money games, yeah. plus especially when it's a money game against a team that has 22 fewer scholarships. I mean, I like I, – I, I don't like it, but I understand it. But you'd like it if it were upgraded so they had a money game against the bottom of the Mountain West. Problem is the bottom of the Mountain West doesn't want money games. They want home and homes. There aren't enough of those out there, so people go off to the big sky to get their money game. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, That those are the realities of the situation, so... I can endure it. Get it if you're going to have it. Absolutely, get it out of the way as soon as possible. You don't want to go SEC style, play at game eight or eleven. Oh, that would be such a <laughs> yeah, just, I know, every waste year, of time. That's what it is. Herb waste. Street knocks on that, and I can support him a hundred percent. You know, it's just not not anything you want. I, I I understand why BYU does it because they're in the unique situation of the scheduling of trying to get these guys earlier. And they can get that game any time of year. So why not get it in November and give your fans a day game when potentially it's a bad weather situation? So that can, that makes sense. I, I just I, I wish that they could be some type of rule that says don't do it, and so have have some better competition. But I understand everybody does it, so. You know, you can't knock, uh, or most everybody does it anyway, you can't knock an individual school for doing it when so many of them do it. Thomas, 12 carries for 107 yards. He was the kind of back Kyle wants, running through tackles, showing a little burst. Didn't have any uh, long, outrageous runs, but, you know, had a 20-yarder. Yeah, the, he's he's on notice though because he's had one fumble. Fumble, right? And that's going to just jump out at you because he screams turnover margin. I mean, everybody wants it in their favor, but Kyle really, points really. to it yeah. and stresses it big, big time. He says it's the most important stat behind the final score. 
and that's uh, what he looks at. He goes right to that turnover, see where you're at there. So they've got to make sure the running backs, that's going to knock you down a peg. Uh, and so he's got maybe maybe you get two mulligans on that, but if you get them back-to-back, then you're going to suffer. And what I mean by that, if he has a fumble against BYU and they lose, even if they regain it, it's still going to catch Kyle's eye for sure. But it's like if you have two or three, but you space them out every five games, maybe, maybe you can buy some uh, – less grief <laughs> but if you have it against BYU that's going to be a huge red flag for uh, Whittingham and what he preaches uh, so for Thomas he needs to hold on to the ball give him one you know just obviously it wasn't going to hurt them but yeah I mean once once they started mentioning his name three four five times in training camp I'm not the brightest guy in the world <laughs> but, but it's like all right we got something here you know, and then you start doing research on him. You see where he's come from. You start talking to people uh, around the program, and you're saying, and you find out, yeah, he's been looking good. So, not a surprise to me that he looked good because they were the ones who first brought him up. I didn't know anything about him, but they start bringing him up, and you listen to him. And then when the running backs coach comes, and Andy Ludwig comes uh, and speaks to the media, all right. Something's there, and then it's easy to find out that they like him. You just one or two questions from people around the program, and they'll tell you, yeah, he looks good. And I thought he looked very good. To me, he right now, he should be the starter. If you're going to base it on what they're doing, and it's not just exclusively in the games, but that goes a large, a long way toward it, he should be your starter next week, and Bernard should be getting the second carries. And the other two, see what they can do when they get the opportunity. Thomas averaged nine yards a carry. That's an eye-popping number, 12 carries for 107 yards. But that turnover issue, it's you can go. If your other back, if your next back is averaging six yards a carry, <laughs> you can live with that. And Bernard was a good receiver out of the backfield early in the game. He had three catches in the first two possessions. He was effective. So if Thomas is going to fumble, Kyle's going to switch. Because his, the, per, the production with Bernard isn't as good. But it's good, so it makes it an easy switch because he's just not going to tolerate the fumbles. Oh, he looks promising. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he he, and it, it's funny because the way it played out with him being younger, uh, he was willing to stay. All the three other guys who left, they were older. Now I'm not sure he's better than any of the three. It's just he had a little more time on his side to where he could develop. And the other guys felt like they were running out of time. They'd been in the program for multiple years and still hadn't seized the position and weren't getting, to, according to them, enough playing time. And then they saw uh, uh, Ty do what he did. So they took off, and Bernard had more time on his side, so he stayed. And maybe he would have been better than them uh, if all things were equal anyway. If they were in the same grade, maybe he was better than the other three to begin with. But he certainly looks promising and looks like there's something there. Uh, you can be excited about him. I don't know that he'll be a big-time back or reigns to be seen, but he's going to see the field. He's going to have his opportunities, and as a football player, really that's what you want, and it's up to you to do what, what you can with those opportunities. But right now, I would go Thomas. To me, there was that was the separation that I was looking for, and I saw it. Question of the morning, what were your impressions of the Utes? Uh Scott says some things to clean up, but very promising. Love the running back depth, and Brewer looks legit. Go Utes. Brett says lots of talent. Brewer can wing it, but he needs to stay upright more often. 
he took some hits. And uh, Nick Ford had a tweet after the game, and of course he'll join us uh, Monday mornings, uh, 7.30 right here on the Zone Sports Network. But um, he tweeted out, improvement will be made, period. Good night, Utes, period. Yeah. And Nick Ford will be on this Monday, even though it's late. Nick Ford will be on Monday, uh, even though it's Labor Day weekend. We are going to... We're going to be here, right, Yach? Holiday, talking football. So wake up with us Monday morning, even though it's Labor Day. Labor Day is still a work day. Yeah, baby. Samson Nakua will be here at 7 o'clock talking BYU football after the Arizona game, and then Nick Ford at 7.30. So we'll be here for you Monday morning. But I think the offensive line definitely has work to do. Uh, There were some... Some missed blocks in the run game in the red zone early in the game. I think Nick actually had one of them. We can ask him about that. But his body language afterwards said, yeah, that's not going to look good. That's not going to look good on film. That was just his body language going back to the huddle. So, uh, and, and then just the hits Brewer took. And to be fair, Brewer, a couple of them he couldn't avoid. A couple of them I thought he encouraged. He took off for the run early in the game and like, dude, you're not a fullback. What are you doing? But he also held the ball in the pocket so his guy could get downfield, and he knew he was going to take a shot, and he did. Uh, those in the pocket, you wish he wouldn't take them, but you get why he does. So you, 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 kind of, you just got to live with those. But the, the running and taking the big hit so you can get six yards instead of four, those drive me nuts. There's no reason to be doing that. If you're going to hold the ball in the pocket so you can hit on a 40-yarder, that's one thing. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More reaction to the Utes opener next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we just played that Kyle Whittingham uh, by and PK, you and I have interviewed him for a long time. We've had conversations with him off to the side. And I actually tweeted out when things were going sideways in the first half. Man, Kyle may not even need a question. He's going to have this list really early in the postgame. That was so predictable. I don't want to say he's happy with the mistakes, but he doesn't want the first game to be too good. He wants to have an edge going into the second game. I think he got what he wanted. You knew he was. You knew he was making that list, watching that game go along. Oh, and he was checking it twice. Yeah, I think that he probably would want a little cleaner game, as they say, though, because I think when you're playing BYU in the second game, you don't really need anything more than the fact that you're playing BYU. And who wants to be the first team to lose to them in ten years or ten times? I guess it's more than ten years because of the layoff uh, for a couple years there with the pandemic. Twelve years year they didn't play. Uh, so. Uh, I, I don't think that they need any more of that. They gave it to him uh, because he'll go over all that stuff. He probably did, yeah, because he he's really good about having a pulse of the game, and then when he comes into the media room, he gives a statement, and he usually runs through the laundry list of good and bad. So m- most of the time, 
you really don't even need any questions because he's covered it in his opening statement. He's really good about that, just going through and pretty much answering or speaking to most of the questions that are going to come out anyway. And so he's well aware of the good and the bad, and he's at the stage of his life and career as a coach where he's not going to duck them because he knows everybody knows them anyway. But I don't know that he wants it to be as, what, dirty, if that's the opposite of clean. Sloppy, I probably is the better word. He would have liked to have 11 guys on the field. Yeah. There there was too much of 10 and 12. (laughs) I mean, it's like, guys, you know this is an 11-on-11 game, right? We can count here. Yeah. And and they had 12 and gave up a first down, and Weber State declined the penalty. So the Utes were flagged three times for 30 yards, uh, but he'll be mad about more beyond the three. Yeah, for sure on that. Uh, and he, he understands it. And he does have stuff to address. But and I, and that but that's that's not like providing intensity and focus towards next week is what I'm trying to say. Because I think that's already going to be there, given the fact that it's the BYU game. And I would love for that game to be played every year if they could, but they don't want to, so be it. Uh, have it be the first game. But if it can't be the set first game... And it's obviously not always going to be, and rarely it's going to be the last game. I like it at that second spot uh, I, from, from the Utah perspective because if you're going to play the Big Sky caliber team in the first game, then give me a really good second game, right, so I can hyphen everything. Because I've got to be tested to some degree going into the conference to see where we – get a better read on where we stand – and what we need to work on, where we specifically need to improve. And I think BYU, most of the time, not all, but most of the time, they're going to provide you with a stiff test to get a better read to where you are and help you get prepared for the nine conference games. Because obviously the nine conference games, they're most likely more important than any non-conference game. You know, If you happen to be playing... Uh, Ohio State one year and this alliance maybe that might be a little bit different if it if, you know if it ever if the alliance ever comes to anything like that but most of the time it the conference games are going to be a higher level of importance and so the having the first game where you can work out the kinks and then the second game with BYU give you a better test give you a real good understanding of where you're at and I think it sets you up to find out where your football team is and lead you to more success. So I like the BYU game second if it's preceded by a big sky caliber opponent in the first game. More reaction flowing in. Question of the morning. How good were the Utes? What was your impression? What do you think? We, I think we all had high expectations for them. Uh, U-State Iceman says, what would have happened if they would have lost the game to a rain delay? That would have been a bad check mark for the Utes. Well, you can't lose something to a delay. You can only lose something to a postponement. Good point. (laughs) But if the lightning had continued to midnight, what would they have done? Kicked it off at 1230. Play at 1230 a.m. Eastern time. Let's go. We're playing this game. They did it with Boise and uh, UCF, right? They held for two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, they didn't play. They played well past midnight over there on the East Coast. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I stayed up. I thought the they whole played game. close to midnight here. Well, yeah, though they they finished past midnight here, but I'm just saying they played late. Into so the that's night. two a.m. then on the East Coast. No, they didn't finish past midnight because I, I didn't go to bed at midnight. So they finished at eleven thirty. 
It, it was definitely right. after 11. But it was late yeah. for them. Yeah, obviously. I'm a little tired this morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, because I did stay up and watch that game. I didn't stay up and watch all the Sun Devil game. That was needless. But I did stay up and watch the boys game. Actually, the rain delay worked well for me because I got into Ohio State, uh, Minnesota, big time. And, and remember yesterday I said that I was going to have the Utes on the big screen? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no. Since there was no game, <laughs> you didn't need But them. even when it came back, when they started it, I had it on. Oh, really? I got, well, into, I got into the U game at that point. I mean, Weber State was making a game of it, so. I know, but the higher, much higher stakes at Minnesota and Ohio State because I thought Minnesota had a chance. Conference so I game, stayed yeah. with it until Ohio State got that defensive score. score. Yeah, and they and went All right, they've asserted control. Then I went back, flipped it. And then started bouncing back and kept waiting for the Boise game. And then the Boise, they get an interception, the first drive. Gabriel wild, badly underthrows it. They take it back. And, yeah, if you put and, some uh, air under that, it's a touchdown pass. But he threw a line drive and he <laughs> right to him, could yeah. have hurt that Boise State kid if he didn't get his hands up. And so I thought, oh, And the wow. coach's reaction shot was awesome. Malzahn's over there like, what are you doing? Yeah, Malzahn, former Arkansas State, where Blake Anderson came. Yeah. Uh, so they've got those uh, those roots there for sure. Uh, Look at you in Jonesboro. Well, a lot of yeah, a lot, a lot of, of people Hart- would refer to Malzahn Carson. as the former Auburn coach, but you go former Arkansas. Well, I said State. roots because there's a connection of what Blake Anderson's going to try to do. And Malzahn had some su- success at Auburn. Harson had some success at Arkansas State. Went to Boise, came home, and is now he's at Auburn. So. In a sense, Auburn has hired two Arkansas State coaches, not directly because Harson was hired from Boise State, but you get the point that that's a good training ground. I'm trying to provide some hope for the Aggie fans here. All right, DJ and PK, we got a question of the day up for the Aggie fans and for the Cougar fans. Yesterday we were asking, what will the record be for the Utes? And it ended up 33% of the people thought that they would go 10-2 and two or better. So we got predictions up for BYU and Utah State. You can pick your favorite. We'll update you on that. Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, Josh Newman, Utes writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, will join us next. Stay with us.